Okay, listen, you just get home, okay? I'm going to deal with this. I knew this is going to end badly. What are you on about? He's doing great. We're demonstrating strategies for dealing with difficult customers. Role play. Yeah, and not the sort you're into either, you mucky uh, devil. A mutual exchange of ideas to improve the overall performance of the business. Business? It was their suggestion. You ran with it, though. Yeah, and he was really good as the difficult customer. Thanks. I was worried I was swearing too much. No, no, just about right, that. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that thinks just when we're getting used to PC think of being a deplorable tattletale. Along comes Adam, who'd have been better just getting a t-shirt made with a print of Peter's treatment refusal document plastered on the front of it. I'm Gavin. And I'm still in a bathtub. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> Hell in a tub 2. Yes. I can't think of a <laughs> subtitle to that. Hell in a bathtub. Still cosy. T- there you go. Colon, still cosy. <laughs> How are you, my darling? Uh, you know, dad is doing better, but the you know, as as our bodies age, oh, it takes longer deep... for them. To, <laughs> it takes longer for them to heal, and sometimes first the earth cooled. When our hearts have been. A broken oh. both 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 physically and or emotionally it takes a bit longer to heal so we have it's it's really more or less just a waiting game on his heart rate which you know they still haven't figured out the right the right cocktail to keep it down long enough for him to start getting up and and moving around and building up his strength mm-hmm. but he's talking now which is sometimes a good thing. That's a curse and a blessing, really. <laughs> <laughs> Being cranky, constantly asking if he can get up. Right. Bad because he's he's only on thickened liquids and thickened water tastes gross and thickened apple juice tastes gross and and he can't have a Coca-Cola. Oh, he loves his Coca-Cola. So, and, you know, he can have banana pudding can't have a banana but he can have banana pudding so what's he complaining about (laughs) so i bought him like a pack of banana pudding and you'll never you'll never guess what's on the label of the banana pudding banana a banana no a minion oh banana 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 (laughs) so and he and he he loves them but he can't he, he still can't quite eat a whole Pudding cup full. So, yeah. So you know, we're 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 getting there. Meantime, I'm uh, I'm I'm rifling through his things and and trying to get his (laughs) his stuff organized because uh, you tread carefully there, young Padawan. Because he'll be in he'll be in rehab for quite a bit after he finally gets out of the hospital. So we don't really know how and where he will he will land in the future so we're we're trying to um take care of his things as as best we can so mm-hmm. i've been uh, 
learning learning some interesting things about my own personal family history, which has been fun. So yeah, I am still here in Florida. It was in the 40s last week. I was very upset. I was like, this is not the Florida I was promised. <laughs> I don't. I think that's true for everyone. Yeah, but it's back in the 60s now and sunny, so I'm happy. Florida is still America's America. That is that is that is very true. <laughs> and you're going to be there for a, a little bit longer. Yes, yes. So we well will get set up. So uh Helen in a bathtub will be a, will become a trilogy. How are you? I hear it's snowing. Uh, it's been snowing. It's not currently snowing. It was snowing yesterday. I had a 3-day headache which wasn't any kind of fun. No, that doesn't I sound fun. I stuff for it, and it wasn't really shifting. But it's better now. It got better yesterday. Oh, that's good. And yes, I have been drinking enough water. H- how are you finding single parenthood? Yeah, I'll be glad when you're back. <laughs> it's tiring. It's, it is tiring. Yes, very much so. But we have had, uh, we've had some fun. Uh, along the way it hasn't been it hasn't been all effort and no no chuckles so and nobody's really had nobody's really had a fit about anything which in this house is kind of unusual right the closest we came to it was when there was a um, there was a kind of Mexican standoff about a a PS4 controller (laughs) which I was quickly able to subdue but aside from that it's been it's been fairly peaceful so, mm. so yeah, I, I can't really complain except I will but nobody listens <laughs> and especially it is weird you not being here that's mm-hmm. certainly true and when I can hear like noises upstairs and it tends to be steady I, my first instinct is to think it's you and then I remember oh. you're not here and I remember that I haven't really seen you in two weeks, which isn't uh, usual. Isn't usual at all. We should actually FaceTime at some point. <laughs> no, we've just been phoning, and we never phone. <laughs> the only time I ever phone you is when I want to see if you want anything when I'm out. We, we right. have we have phone conversations that are seven or eight seconds long, and then that's it. Because neither of us right. like talking on the phone. But anyway. Anyway. Let's do this thing. Yes, please. One more time. Yes, and please. Preamble, my dear. Yes, G- please. Give me some of that lonely coding news. Sounds like we're getting a new Bailey. A new what? Fintum- a new Bailey. Oh, I thought you were talking about the house. Okay, sorry. No. Finta Morgan will be joining the cast as Ed's ne'er-do-well brother, Ronnie. So we're still not getting the sister, but we're getting a brother. Here's hoping for more Bailey storylines in the near future. Morgan has previously been seen in Doctors, EastEnders, and Ted Lasso, a show that I'm constantly being told I should watch, but it's on a platform that I do not have. Really? There's a platform we don't have? It's on... It's on Apple TV. Oh, yeah, we don't have that. Yeah. Looks good. Looks good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for a new Bailey. 
because that means new Bailey storylines, and that I am all the, for. They haven't really done enough with the Baileys that they've got. That's my concern. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, pissing your chips a bit. Well, you know, I mean, maybe this this will get them to use the Baileys that they've got a little bit more. I don't recall anyone. Oh, I do recall. Who's he? He's Ed's brother. Yeah, he's Ed's brother. He's Ronnie Bailey. And it was Aggie's brother, I think, that was the the the, the grit and the oyster kind of thing. No, I think that's Ed's brother, Ronnie. No, there was something that they were talking about during their uh, their anniversary, and it was somebody who didn't approve of Ed. Was that his brother? Why would his brother disapprove of him? Oh, no. No, that would be somebody related to Aggie, wouldn't it? You'd have thought. I mean... Yeah. I think Ronnie has been mentioned before, though. Moving on. Peter Ash has a few choice words for Russell T. Davies. After the former Doctor Who showrunner came out this week with a statement that only gay actors should play gay roles. And he also used the example that only black actors should play black roles and that you wouldn't cast somebody in a wheelchair... You know, you wouldn't cast an able-bodied person to play somebody in a wheelchair, even though that has been done and continues to be done over and over and over again. But those were his two examples. If I was an actor, I I guess I probably shouldn't play a black person. No, absolutely not. Ash, who is straight in real life, life, uh, simply tweeted the definition of acting, (laughs) a.k.a. the art or (laughs) occupation of performing fictional roles in response. It's an you interesting know, I, point. It is an interesting point. You know, Russell uh, Russell T. Davies was talking about his new show, which is getting you know good, good, good reviews and stuff. And Neil Patrick Harris is in it, and Stephen Fry's in it, and a lot of young gay actors is in it, um, are in it and stuff. And he's like, you know, we we want to tell stories about gay people, but we don't want their gayness to be the main focus you know, of their of their stories. And so that's why I only cast gay actors to play to, to play gay roles. And I feel like he's gotten a point. And I feel Peter Ash also has a point, you know. It's it's one of those because you're right, you you wouldn't you wouldn't um in this day and age cast a a white person to play you know, a black role or even a brown role, and even in um, even in animation, the the few white people who have been giving voice to black and brown characters in animation have uh, have retired from playing those characters and said, you know, right. they, these these really should be played by black and and brown people. And you know, there's been lots of pushback about straight people playing trans characters because. You know, when a man plays a trans woman, it's just, you know, a man in a dress, and that that tends to perpetuate certain stereotypes about the trans community. So, why are we still casting straight actors to play gay roles, but also there's lots of straight actors who have done very well playing gay roles, and there's lots of gay actors who have done very well playing straight roles. Right. Um, So, including Neil Patrick Harris, who's only really played straight characters. 
Well, there was Barney and How I Met Your Mother, I guess. <laughs> but I think there was a bit of a grey area in that respect. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Count Olaf was straight. Um, Doogie Hauser was straight. That guy he plays that gets brutally murdered in Gone Girl was straight. Oh, Obnoxiously yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Remember when he got when he got knifed to death in Gone Girl? Vividly. Yes, I think that was your favorite scene in Gone Girl. <laughs> I, I've never really needed to see his Bobby. <laughs> I think that's still true. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? I think both sides make interesting arguments. Mm. My concern would be if you're only. Uh, the, the kind of argument you can imagine being if you're only casting gay people as in gay roles, then should you only cast straight people in straight roles? And that, right. that seems kind of limiting. And it also, uh, I don't know, you can kind of follow the breadcrumbs from that to All Lives Matter to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might just back away from this. Yeah. <laughs> It, it 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 is it is an interesting you know it's an interesting conversation which is why I bring it up in Corey News and finally is that me uh, that's you again again <laughs> I think I also heard geese are there geese flying above you Madeline no I'm just sitting here doing goose impersonations as you're doing the news <laughs> quack, quack I would not. That's a duck, my darling. <laughs> Geese a hog. That was, that, was, that was kind of the joke. Oh, okay. That was a All joke. Right. That was this week's joke. It was a joke. <laughs> and finally, in Corey News, <laughs> get these motherfucking snakes out of my motherfucking toilet. <laughs> Very sweary, Corey News, this week. <laughs> Harry Vicinoni, our Seb, got a bit of a surprise during a trip to the loo. When a four-foot royal python greeted him from the toilet. Hiya. The RSPCA were called honk, and Lulu honk, honk. <laughs> And Lulu was safely rescued. They've named the, the, the RSPCA uh, named the snake Lulu. And they laughed about that all fucking day. <laughs> yes. See, we they call it Lulu it... because she was found in the loo. On the loo. <laughs> it's just, it's just so funny. And they said, "Well, of course, you found a royal python sitting on the throne." I mean, the gags Ba-dum-pum. just keep on coming, don't they? Tish, they really do. Apparently, Lulu was left behind um, by a previous owner and just crawled into the wall and and came out when she when she needed a breath of fresh air and apparently lulu is not the only one um (laughs) while i was reading this article there were other articles saying you know python found in behind boiler and woman wakes up to find python in bed and and stuff so people have if you're going to get a snake as a pet don't abandon it when you move I kind of suggest Take they, responsibility. They forgot about it. How many snakes do you have to have to forget about one of them? Right. Because if we had a snake and you move house and you get to the new house and the snake's not there, you go, holy shit, what happened to the snake? 
Ah, forget right. it. It'll be fine. It'll just <laughs> nearly bite a, a, a soap actor on the, on the ass the next time he goes for a shit. It'll be fine. <laughs> Apparently royal pythons are quite docile and will only bite if antagonised. So... Well, as so Seb. Seb was so. <laughs> so Harry was never in any real danger, although apparently, because uh, Lulu crawled back into the wall, so it wasn't until the next morning that the RSPCA was able to come out and find her and get her get her out. So he spent he and his girlfriend spent a bit of a sleepless night worrying about a snake in their wall, in the bathroom. Too many jokes. Just too many jokes. Too, it, they just write themselves. <laughs> and that's Corey News. And now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Tea Chest Bass. Any ideas? Tea chest, tea chest what now? Bass. How's that bass, bass guitar? Oh. No, I do not recall this at all. This was Carla coming back from uh, Richard's funeral. Apparently there were some interesting characters there and there was some character playing the tea chest bass. Ah. Which I didn't know was a thing until... until Carla mentioned it. I was gabbing... Yeah, I still and, don't know it's a thing. <laughs> I think, you know, when... The, People play boxes, mm-hmm. like scruffy people. When scruffy people play boxes that, in lieu of musical instruments, I think yes. it's like that. Yeah, like a like a cigar box guitar sort of thing. Right. Yeah. That was Gavin, and you didn't think we did enough podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so we started to do another one. It was this time last year. Steve and Tracy take couples counselling to an oddly violent conclusion. Tim's dad plums new depths as his emotional coercion of Yasmin continues and we start to have real concerns over Charlotte the Chicken. This was also the week that he banged his head after fighting Yasmin for the vacuum cleaner, which I remember that you particularly liked. Yes. A leaflet and a nomination for an award for doing something that was ultimately futile is enough to convince Aggie to go back into nursing. Sally decides that the best way to deal with the Tim situation is to go visit Gina, who was another part of the Tim situation not so long ago. Roy and Nina bond over a sewing machine and a game of metaphor-laden chess. At the hospital, Max searches in vain for a flight of stairs to run up. Daniel's beard continues to grow unabated. And Bernie is down with the kids. And a very special guest helped me through Hindsight Corner backlog. Thank you for that, Christy. That was a year ago. Jeez. That was a year ago? Wow. And two years ago was Hashtag Pray for Duncan, which was the episode co-hosted by Chris. Yes, that one. That was two years ago. Jings. Wow. Moment of the week was Elon coming to Fizzy's defence with Jade. And boring moment of the week was Daniel's milk and beer as he watches Sinead's video. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline today is about Peter's liver. On Monday, Daniel arrives at the Rovers to see how Peter's getting on now that he's back from Scotland, because he went to Scotland, remember? Yes, I remember. Neither of them seem to feel like cuckoos, given that Carla no longer lives there. Peter has a hospital appointment to check on his liver later. So he's 
vaping outside Carla's dad's pub when Carla comes along and asks how he's doing and he gives her the same story that he shared with Daniel and she asks to be kept up to date and then heads off to work. Yes. Then Peter's at the hospital for his appointment when he runs into Carol Decker from Tapau. Do you know who that is? She looks familiar. Carol the Decker from Tapau. The sitting in the, in the um, waiting room. From what now? Tapau. Tapau? The, the 80s uh, pop band Tapau. Did they not make I, it over I here? I don't I, think it made it over here. I hear their music sometimes in Family Fair when I'm, I'm doing grocery shopping. They had, really? They had well, two what's... big songs, China in Your Hand and Heart and Soul. No. Give a little bit of heart and soul. Yep. Da, 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 da. That's it. Okay, yeah. That was Tapu. That that song I know, China in Your Hand, I do not. Oh, that's a shame because I have a China in Your Hand gag in two paragraphs time. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so Carol Decker from Tapau announces that she's there to get her liver seen. Peter's all matchy-matchy, small world. Then Carol Decker from Tapau asks if he's there for a transplant and wishes him luck if he is. She's been waiting for two years with no luck. Hers is all medical, and she seems to be put out to learn that Peter's is self-afflicted, although she pretends to be fine with this. Meanwhile, Daniel's at number one telling Ken that he's going on a teacher training course. <sighs> Ken thinks this is great, that he's following in his footsteps, and wishes Daniel when he tells him that he has a corduroy jacket that he can borrow. They talk about With how... leather patches on the sleeves. <laughs> right. They talk about how worried they are about Peter. Daniel says that Peter was very supportive of him when Sinead died. Was he? I guess. I don't really remember that. No. Everybody was fairly supportive. Except for Beth. Yeah, she was not supportive. No. And he has an idea to return the favour. So Peter is talking with the doctor. There's not been any improvement in his liver function recently, but they'll monitor it over the next few months. And Peter seems concerned to learn that he's just as eligible for a transplant as someone else, i.e. Carol Decker from Tapau, and it's all based on finding a match. And he leaves his appointment just as Carol Decker from Tapau is leaving hers. She has not had good news and lets her mask no. slip when he asks if she wants to grab a cup of tea with him. You're an alky, she says, and she's not interested in the tea from China in his hand. It wasn't a great joke, but I felt like I had no. to, um, yeah. I had to well, foreshadow yeah, he, it. He, he doesn't say tea, he says drink. And she just immediately assumes that he wants to go and get a beer or something. Yeah, that's... Like an alcoholic drink, and that's what makes her... Doubly upset. Would you stop with those goose impersonations, Madalyn? They're very distracting. The thing is that they won't get picked up, I don't think. Although if you're hearing them, I would think that they are. But If I'm hearing them, they're going to get picked up. They're not that it's loud. Like, it's, like, it's like that huh? bird. Remember that bird a few weeks ago when I was still at home and I said, and like I just stopped and said, why is a bird singing in December in Michigan? Yeah, and I don't think and we that heard did get that too much, up. did we? You, you can hear it. Yeah, you can hear it in that episode. Oh, that... It's funny. Um, frankly, frankly, uh, this this uh, this storyline is what became a little upsetting for me and uh, emotional this week because yep. um, because our friend who died like a month ago, yesterday. One of the reasons why she died is because she was not able to get a liver transplant because when they were doing the examination for the liver transplant, they found out that she also had metastasized breast cancer and said, oh, well, you're not eligible for a 
for a liver transplant now because you also have breast cancer, so you're just going to die anyway, which is really upsetting to right. hear. So for for Peter to be essentially looking a gift horse in the mouth here is was was kind of upsetting for me this week. But anyway, well, continue. Well, nobody's mentioned it yet. He's the only one that's really talking about a transplant and Carol Decker yeah. from Tapau. No one else is really talking about it. The doctors aren't talking about it. Not yet, anyway. They want to spend right, some months yeah, because, figuring out because if they he's even see, going to be eligible. Yeah, if he and they want to see. Not, they want to see if um, if his liver. It, they they seem to be quite hopeful that his liver can repair itself. So it doesn't. So. In the end, it doesn't seem like his liver is as bad off as everybody's making it out to be if the doctors think that it might be able to repair itself. You know, it's like if you if you have another drink, you will die. Your liver is so bad. If you have another drink, you will die. And yet, on the other hand, we're not putting you on the waiting list for a new liver because you're not that bad off and your liver might repair itself. It just it does not. It's 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 weird trying to figure out exactly what's going on here, right? With with Peter's liver, I'd need to see his charts. I think. I think so too. I need to check his creatine levels and and his BUNs and and all that fun stuff. So Carla and his hemoglobin. Into, obviously, Carla bumps into Daniel in the street. Bert is with Beth, of course he is. Says Carla and the audience. She tells Daniel that she hopes <laughs> Peter's appointment went well, and then she hurries off. And back home, everyone is happy to hear that Peter's situation may not have gotten any better, but it's not gotten any worse. Daniel has an exciting proposition for Peter. He's going to get tested to see if he's a match, and if he is, he'll be Peter's donor. Uh, thanks, mm -hmm. but no thanks, says Peter. But it's a Barlow 4000, says Daniel, which is so close to Timbot 4000. But Peter, <laughs> Peter is not moved. Ken calls it an incredible gesture, and Tracy, who hasn't been on board with this since it was announced, quickly removes herself from the running because of her kidney, but wonders if Peter wants to die and be a martyr. And they all have some top bants about Tracy being eed out of her tits and poor Samir, who donated his kidney and then died. Right. So, so Daniel goes round to bore Adam at work about the liver thing. Adam reckons his liver would be better because it's Scottish. Right, but Peter probably <laughs> wouldn't want it because he slept with Peter's missus and Daniel thinks that he maybe right. would want Adam's liver but just out of spite Right Peter bumps into Simon and he lies to his son about how positive the news was at the hospital and tells Simon to look after Leanne and then he fucks off Peter really is the worst dad Ever <laughs> Well I, I, Yeah, he's, he, he's pretty far up there I, I still think Tim's dad is the worst dad ever Well he's dead Right. It was the dads that are left. See, I'm kind of giving, uh, I'm kind of scoring Peter down for something that happens later that technically isn't true. Yeah. So Peter is on his way to see Adam and catches them outside the law office. They share some small talk about Bonnie Scotland and then get down to it, but not like that. Peter has some mm -hmm. legal business that he needs taken care of, and Adam is convenient, local, and more importantly, owes him one. Mm hmm. So inside, Peter explains what he wants. An advance notice for refusal for treatment. If he gets too sick, he doesn't want anyone's organ inside him. <laughs> Adam doesn't see what the rush is for. He's not even on a transplant list. And then he tells an allegory about a Wethy County third goalkeeper called Ali McAllister. Peter isn't interested and throws his money down. Draft it up or do I go somewhere else? Which is funny because Adam spent about 10 minutes telling him to go somewhere else. It was a good scene. Right. Yeah. 
Adam's taken a leaf out of PC Tinker's professional scruples handbook and pities all over attorney-client privilege and immediately goes round to tell Ken about the refusal of treatment thing. So Ken goes round to nag Peter at the Rovers about the Daniel thing and the Barlow 4000 thing and the Adam thing. And Peter seems more put out by the fact that Alistair McAllister never really existed. Ken can't believe he's given up. He thought Peter was a fighter. Well, fuck you very much, says Ken. Don't say we didn't try. Okie dokie, says Peter. Mm-hmm. So on Wednesday, Ken goes round to see how Peter is and invites him to a brunch that Peter calls an intervention with a buffet. He can't. Anyway, he's got to go to a meeting, taking responsibility for his life, and Ken thinks this is a great sign and is thrilled to see him more positive. And he says all this without looking Peter in the face, apparently, because it's clear that Peter doesn't feel anything that Ken is kind of projecting onto him. Right. Sarah and Adam are chatting. He's distracted, blaming it on a lack of sleep due to work, but she makes a joke about him talking in sleep when, uh, when he's worried about work, saying things like, contributory negligence, which was exceptionally cute, I thought. <laughs> she has a wee look You're on her face. You're constantly yammering on a, about about negligence in your sleep, right? No, you talk about spreadsheets. No, Sarah is. She's obviously so chuffed with her um, Scottish accent when she delivers a line that that's hilarious. So he has to admit to her that it's about the Peter stuff, and he leaves her when he sees Peter. And Peter is not a happy chappy about Adam's loose lips. He tells Adam his future is his business and they fuck off. And then Adam, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory and very nearly becomes Adam, who is leaving the factory when he spots Carla. She chases him and demands to know how Peter is. Is he okay? And it doesn't take much time or much persuasion for Adam to breach attorney-client privilege for a second time by telling her that he's going to refuse treatment. Says, no, third time! That's, this is just the second time. It is a third. Oh, no, it is a third time. Yeah, it is a third time. Ken. Uh-huh. Sarah. Mm-hmm. Carla. Carla. That's the second time this episode, I think, is what I meant. Yeah. He, uh-huh. said, he says he's done. Carla leaves just as Sarah comes in, and Adam wastes no time in breaching. See, I'm right, because she, he hasn't told Sarah yet. He says to Sarah that he's worried about Peter, but he doesn't say it yet. Because Carla leaves. That's what he did. No, because you just said that he. he... Because Carla leaves just as Sarah comes in, and Adam wastes no time in breaching privilege for a third time. Sarah's oh, not okay. sure why his tongue's flapping so much, but Adam thinks it's because everything is his fault. Mm-hmm. Peter gets back to the rovers and for some reason is shocked to see Carla there waiting for him. It's like her dad lives there or something. She tells him <laughs> he knows and encourages him to have a transplant if it comes to that. Then she smells booze in his breath and he eventually comes clean and he produces a bottle of vodka and takes a swig while she begs Which him not Which is weird to. because you can't smell vodka in somebody's breath. See, I always thought that was a fallacy. I always thought that you could, because vodka does have a smell. It smells of vodka. Eh. I can smell vodka. You open a bottle of vodka and take a sniff of it, you can smell it. Yeah. I was never never convinced with that. Hmm. What surprised me about that was that Peter is a whiskey man. Yeah. So he goes... Maybe, and... maybe, it was, maybe that's why he chose vodka, because he thought that nobody would be able to smell it. Right, and she did. Yeah. He goes and grabs a bottle of whiskey from the bar and starts to wire into that. She points out that he could die at any second and he agrees, but he says he has no choice. Booze is all he can think about. Everything before when he was sober was a distraction, including her. And she doesn't believe it, but he doesn't care. Jenny comes in. Yes, screams Peter angrily at Jenny coming into the back room of her own bar. The fuck is Peter's problem here? He chucks Carla out. He's an asshole. 
Yeah. Then she notices that the bottle is from the bar. Jenny's had enough. You're an alky and living in a pub isn't working out, so sling your hook. And Carla thinks this is for the best as well, but he doesn't have anywhere else to go. Well, what about next door? And he refuses, saying that he doesn't want his family to know what he's like. And it's a bit fucking late for that, says Carla. You know, he's a grown-ass adult. Right. He's a grown-ass adult. He's got a phone. We know there are hotels in the area. Get a hotel room for the night and then figure it out in the morning. You know, this whole whining, you know, where am I supposed to go, is just so juvenile. You know, not, not to say that intentionally trying to commit suicide by drinking yourself to death is not juvenile as well. Mm-hmm. It ugh, just irritates me so much. I had, to, I had to think about how Peter makes his money these days. He's and a it, cubby. And it took me a ridiculous length of time to realise that, oh, he's, he drives a cab, but he doesn't drive a cab. When was the last time he did that, do you think? So I wonder if, if uh, last week does he have money? I would assume he has he has money because he's been paying Jenny to live there. Well, that's true. He hasn't been getting his room for free, and it's got to be one of the bigger rooms if Simon stays there too with him. See, I don't think it's a B and B because it's because later on someone's going to move in where Peter was, and then someone yeah. else is going to move into the B and B bit. Anyway. anyway, so Carl and Peter arrive back at number one. Tracy quickly susses that Jenny chucked him out. It was a misunderstanding, says Peter. No, it wasn't, says Carla. He's back in the booze. Oh, Peter, says Ken. <laughs> but then Peter says, don't, oh, don't Peter do me, says Peter. <laughs> and Tracy cannot... Oh, Peter. Uh, Ken also does a, What? <laughs> That might be the first one for this year. I'm not sure. Tracy yes, can't believe. Tracy can't. It's the it's the old Peter thing that just cracks me up because it's it's like they're acknowledging the joke by having Peter say, "Oh Don't yeah, yeah. Oh Peter, me." It's Absolutely. like fully acknowledging the joke. Without a doubt. Oh, and Ken's facial expressions throughout this whole thing are just <laughs> hilarious. Mm-hmm. I know they're not meant to be hilarious. But I was laughing the whole way through because yeah, I don't his think facial expressions for comedy were here. just great. <laughs> Tracy can't believe that Peter is hoping to move back in. Ken says Peter can live there, but only if he stops drinking. Ken refuses to watch him drink himself to death. No deal, says Peter. He doesn't think he can stop, but more importantly, he doesn't think he wants to stop. Well, fuck you later, says Ken. Enough's enough. So Peter leaves. And bravo on him for doing this. I, you know, this is this is exactly the sort of the sort of tough love that tough they, love. you know, that they that um, that they say to do in 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 situations like this. You know, Carla mm-hmm. chases after him. She wants to take care of him. He says he's not worth it, and uh, she's shown him that his family won't change and they deserve better. He says that she won't change either. She wants to be seen as an angel looking after an alky, and he doesn't really want to say this, but he's going to say it. She's happy to drop her knacks for anyone and everyone. Now leave me alone, and he walks away like the Hulk again. Right. Yeah, and um, Carla very aptly says that he's he's killing himself exactly like Aiden. 
Right, and you that know? did seem to give in a different way. Peter a little bit of pause. Peter pause. Mm. Yeah. So Carla goes and to And that's when he pushes her away horribly, you know, and makes the whole drop your knickers line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carla goes to open her heart to Jenny. She doesn't know what to do when Jenny puts the kettle on. Well done, Jenny. So back at number <laughs> one, Tracy tells Ken not to beat himself up about this. He can't save everyone. Tracy says Peter will be fine. And then we cut to Peter under a bridge, slopping down the whiskey like it's going out of fashion. On Friday, Ken is beginning to regret giving Peter the ultimatum, which, as you said, I think was probably the right thing to do. In fact, really the only yeah. thing to do, because if you're not, then you're just enabling them, right? Right. Tracy Absolutely. says that this was all Peter's choice and it wasn't Ken's fault. In comes Steve, who can tell from the atmosphere that something's up, but Tracy covers. She wants to protect Steve after the Oliver business. And this kept on happening on Friday. And I kept on forgetting why they're trying to protect, protect Steve, Steve from this information, which I, I don't think he's going to draw similarities between Peter and Oliver here, is he? Well, I, I just I sat think weird it's for just... me. I I think it's it's more just you know in general they don't you know it's distressing news it's it's not happy news and no. they want to you know try to just keep him away from unhappy news <laughs> distressing things kind of like how I've been trying desperately to keep my dad from catching up on any of the news yeah. in relation to the insurrection that happened last week yeah, while that. he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. The yeah. things that happened while your dad was sleeping. Yes, this this it's it's a sequel to the <coughs> to the um, Sandra Bullock rom com while you were sleeping. Yeah. Only this time, no 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 romance, just insurrection. Yeah, a slightly more yeah. nuanced ninety minutes to be had <laughs> on that one. Then Roy, who doesn't work at the factory, but at least he knocks, turns up to the factory to deliver brunch to Carla. But he's really yes. there so that we can hear her say that she doesn't know where Peter is and she's worried about him. And later, Tracy and Steve are pretending to drink tea. In comes Simon, who's been speaking with Jenny and it appears that Peter's moved out. Tracy thinks it got awkward with Johnny being in prison. No. And she thinks that he's moved to uh, Wigan. Yes, Wigan. To stay at a Navy mate's. My fucking dad, says right. Simon. Doesn't even say goodbye. And Steve smells a rat, and when Simon leaves, Steve demands to know what's going on. And she must Yeah, you'd think Simon would be used to this by now. Well, I think there was a kind of bit of resignation in that. Yeah. Because Peter kind of comes and goes, and Simon just finds out when he bumps into Peter, or when he doesn't, that right. my dad might be living in the street, or might be in right. Scotland or might be in Portsmouth right. or might be staying right. with that guy with a glass eye who knows or he might be in Wigan with a with a pal from the Navy or he might be under a bridge who knows yeah so yeah Tracy must tell Steve because later he's talking with Ken he appreciates everyone thinking of him but it's not needed he thinks Ken did the right thing and everyone will be on Peter's side when he comes back Ken goes to call Peter and Steve hears a phone ringing outside and discovers Peter unconscious and Iganil among some bin bags and later, the How glo- did he make it from under the bridge to the bin bags, do you think? Was he always there? <coughs> it wasn't clear I think maybe he was, was always thing. there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Later, the glorious Dr. Gadas has died. So, like, wait, he walked around. He walked around in a circle. Because remember, he was walking away and Carla was following him. Uh-huh. So, once he knew Carla wasn't following him anymore, did he just, like, 
walk into a store, buy some booze, and then walk around the corner into the gunnel. It's cheeky. And sit on the track. Yeah, he's just made a circle. What a cheeky chaffy. I don't what know if he bought more chaffy. booze or if that was the same bottle that he nicked from <laughs> the Rovers, which he said he didn't nick, but then... That he was going to pay for. But then nicked it anyway. Later, the glorious Dr. Gaddis has diagnosed hypothermia. Outside all night, he could have died. It's important that he rests and keep keeps warm, but she doesn't think that he needs a hospital. Steve says... And yet, no one pauses to think of poor Carol. Poor, poor Carol, on a night like that. Yeah. Always in our hearts, Carol. Always. Yes, always in our hearts. No Steve, thoughts for the actual homeless people. Steve says he's staying with them, so he'll be fine. And so Gadda sees herself out. And Steve goes to see Tracy, who's worried about how Steve will cope with Peter's chaos. Steve's thought about that, and he suggests that he goes away for a few days to the country, where he'll get peace and can train for his Three Peaks Challenge, which apparently is definitely a thing now. And remarkably, yes. Tracy thinks this is a great idea. Yes. Back at number one, Peter's up and feeling better, and Ken's contrite, and he can stay for as long as he needs, says Ken. Peter, though, isn't interested and heads out. He needs to get away from this house and this street, and despite Ken's pleas, he leaves. And that's as far yes. as we get with that this week. Yes. Good storyline this week. Yeah, yeah. I was a little disappointed in Ken, you know, going back, mm -hmm. backtracking and actually trying to be an enabler. And then at this point, Peter doesn't. Peter is not wanting the enabling. Right. So it, which is interesting. I, I guess it just gives Peter another chance to throw help back in somebody's face. Right. Because that's where he's at at the moment. Is he's just... Yes. Anyone who wants to help, he isn't interested. He's just throwing yeah, that Yeah, he says, back. fuck off. Mm -hmm. yeah. he, he does. He actually said that. Yes, he literally <laughs> said, fuck off. Mm -hmm. To Ken. Yes. His dad. And Ken <laughs> said, help, Peter. It's like William Roach is sitting in a bath in Florida. <laughs> No, I, I, I think there was uh, the the frustration of Peter at this uh, moment is is very believable and very uh, very demonstrative of how addiction can just whittle, whittle you away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and you get to the point where it's like, well. If I die, I die, you know, and I'm and I'm worthless and I'm not worth saving anyway, which, you know, for a lot of alcoholics, alcoholism and, and depression go hand in hand, which makes sense because mm -hmm. alcohol is a depression, is a depressive right. substance. You know, it brings you down. So when you're down already on yourself and you bring yourself down even further, then, yeah, when you're when your little brother says you can have half of my liver to generate your own new liver you say no thank you mm -hmm. and aside from it is very cool though it is cool it's it's cool how how the liver does this oh that how, how it, yeah. it's possible to mm -hmm. you know to take a tiny bit of someone else's liver and put it in your body, and it will grow a whole new liver. Mm -hmm. That's it's amazing. The human body is amazing. Yeah. And then yeah. you have, uh, I think Peter is kind of right in 
or maybe this is just an excuse. It's probably just an excuse for not what? wanting Daniel to do it because Daniel's got Bertie when he's not staying at Beth's. So he's got that to live for and and Peter couldn't yeah, live with himself but- if if something went wrong in the transplant. But again, we're, we're spending so much time and energy talking about something that <laughs> has not been prescribed. Right. Something that is not really, as far as I can make out from the hospital, not even in the next six months future. We're, we're, right, we're yeah. talking about something that's so far out that everyone seems to be just totally hanging their, their hat on it right now. This needs to be resolved uh, right now. We need to talk about this and have a plan right now when... Right. Yeah, but also, you know, thing. I mean, and I mean, and even even Daniel, he's like, I am going to go get tested to see if I am a match even to donate my liver to you. So that it's he's not even gotten to the point where he's like, yes, I am definitely a match and you could definitely have a piece of my liver. Mm-hmm. You know, and he and Peter's acting like this is the dark ages. Like Daniel absolutely will not recover and will die from this, which is not true at all. Yeah, I think I that's mean, where I the know, excuse things coming from. Just yeah, I know the two people on the street who have donated organs in the past have both died, but you know, Aiden didn't die because he gave Carla a kidney. No. He died because of because he had severe depression mm-hmm. and committed suicide so it's not even a very good excuse it's a rotten excuse you know and it's just an opportunity for him to throw kindness back in people's face yeah. which is again something that somebody with alcoholism or any form of addiction will do because they just they don't feel like they are worth the bother so people are dumb for even trying yeah Top work from everyone in this, I think, particularly Chris Gaskin. He's really selling it. He's really selling it well. Yeah. Yeah. Our next storyline today, Leanne en France. On Monday, it's Monday. On Monday, it's Monday. On Monday, it's morning. And Simon's about to get some messages and needs Leanne's card. And she reminds him that Toya and Nick can't know that she's home. Not yet. So Simon goes to Dev to get his messages and pays with Leanne's card, which, and I kind of assume this is for plot purposes, is declined. Dev yeah. allows Simon to pay him back later because he knows where he lives. And people's right. cards are always getting declined at Dev's. I'm starting to wonder about the how good that machine is. Yeah, it's it yeah. And it also makes me wonder how Dev can can stay in business because he's constantly <laughs> telling people not to worry about it that they can pay him back later. Yeah, and later never comes. Right. And he's really impressed <laughs> that um that Simon is buying vegetables. Yeah. On his way back, Simon runs into Kayla the chin and apologises for yesterday and claims that he had been abducted by aliens. Also, he has some family stuff going on. She gives him another chance and wants to do something right now, but he can't because of that family stuff that he just mentioned. Oh, forget it, says Kelly, and she storms off. And Tracy sees most of this exchange and watches Simon head back to Victoria Court Flats. Yes, and and Tracy is upset because she thinks Kelly is bad news. Mm -hmm. And... Kelly doesn't really care what Tracy thinks, which is, I no. thought was hilarious. So Simon's made Leanne soup. She spills some of it and rushes to clean it up. He tells her it'll be fine, but she snaps angrily at him that it'll never be fine. It'll never be fine again. And she runs back to her room. But Simon's right. As long as she takes a damp cloth to that soup spill, it really will be fine. 
Oh, poor Simon. He's got such rotten luck in the in the parent <laughs> category I know. here. And he's doing so well to hold it all together. He really <laughs> is. He really job. is. <laughs> On the street, Dev sees Nick, who he calls bro for some reason, and explains about Simon looking troubled <laughs> hey, earlier. Bro. Tracy, who's there briefly as an add-on to another storyline. They're uh, ear bros. Right, reckons it'll be something to do with that skank <laughs> Kelly the Chin. She saw Simon talking to her on the way to the flat. And at the flat, Leanne apolog apologises to Simon, who isn't really having it, and insists that she talks to people and stops hiding away like this. And at that, Nick comes in, rather surprised to see Leanne standing there in her jammies. So it seems that a lie is quickly developed that Leanne got home late last night. Simon is not happy about this ruse, but Nick looks like he's believing it. Leanne asks after Sam, and Nick offers to bring him over later, but Leanne is too exhausted, she says, and she goes for a lie down. Nick explains that he's struggling too. Sad, Leanne says that she'll call him. And when Nick leaves, Leanne comes out of her room and apologises again to Simon. Simon doesn't think Nick deserves to be lied to like this, but this sets Leanne off again, snapping that Nick knew that she wanted to be left alone and that Nick can't be feeling it that bad because Oliver wasn't his son. And she immediately realises who she's talking uh. to here and she immediately apologises again, but Simon's had enough and he leaves it. And later, Leanne's looking for her sleeping pills. Simon hands them to her from the kitchen drawer. She takes a couple and goes to bed and Simon hides the pills in a different kitchen drawer. I thought that mm -hmm. was going to turn into something that didn't really. On Wednesday, Simon is surprised to see Leanne up, dressed, wearing makeup and talking about going for a walk. And he offers to join her, but she knows that he's got college, so she shoes him off. And as soon as he goes, her face falls along with her boots. She's not for going anywhere, it seems. And much yeah. later... Simon's walking by Devs, who's basically, who basically just hands Simon a job delivering fish and chips, starting tomorrow. He then bumps into Toya, who wants to come back with him to see Leanne, but he puts her off, saying that Leanne is out for a walk, and has been out for a walk for about 10 hours because it's dark at this point. Right, yeah, it's dark now. <laughs> so Simon gets home and doesn't seem surprised to see Leanne there. She admits to not going for a walk because it looked like it was going to rain and she'll do it tomorrow. But Simon doesn't really care about this because things are looking up for him now that he's delivering fish and chips. He can start to bring right. some money in. So Simon is, is like a wee adult here yeah, who's had to get a job. Or I think he would right. have probably taken the job anyway. He seemed to be quite Right, into the, yeah. Into I mean, he wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't looking for a job. It just kind of fell in his lap, mm -hmm. which but, was nice. But now he's kind of talking about it like it's a, a kind of way for him to support Leanne. Right, yeah. Which because is, of the whole, you know, check, the whole card getting declined. So, I mean, she hasn't, let's be fair, she hasn't been at work oh, for a long right. time now. He he didn't tell her that. No. I've just, just noticed. <laughs> I've just realised. Yeah. He and she hasn't been at work for a long time, so I don't think Imran and Adam have been paying her, you know. Oh, she's too sick, babe. She's entitled to it. Yeah, but for this long? It's been months. For a while, and then she gets unemployment, I think is how it works. I've never had to do it. Yeah. Who I'm, knows? I'm not sure. No. Leanne hiding in the flat, pretending to be in France... Mm. Well, 
she's back. You know, everybody knows she's she's quote unquote back from France now. No. So, yeah. but still, and I mean. She said she was going to go for a walk. She doesn't go for a walk, but at least she got up. She put on regular clothes. She brushed her hair. She, she put on makeup. makeup. On. So she's getting there. She's, you know, it's, again, this is not something that's going to fix itself overnight. So no, this I worry is- about, I worry about all of this responsibility for parenting both of her parents on Simon though. Yeah, you that, know, that seems to be where this story is really sitting this week is, from a, a Simon aspect, not a Leanne aspect. Right. And, you know, uh, but also it's kind of nice to also see him interacting with actual people his own age with the whole Kelly the Chin thing and then hanging out with Addie. That was brilliant. And he's going to be working with Addie. And, and that I really liked. And giving Addie, uh, you know, kind of bucking Addie up in another storyline about That was his, bucking, uh, you said, right, with a B? Yes. Okay. Just checking. Honk, <laughs> honk, honk. Uh, about uh, Dev's 16th birthday present, which the twins aren't supposed to be 16 now. That's that's neither here nor there. Um, I got enormous. And saying, that- "Hey, hey, at least at least you have a decent father. <laughs> you know, at least your dad is trying. At least your dad's not leaving every five seconds and not telling you where he's going." <laughs> The, the things that brought me the most amount of joy this week, I was not expecting them to come from where they did. Yes. And... and Addie's been brilliant this week. I'm we'll, just going to say it. We'll, we'll, we'll I'm just going to say it. We'll absolutely get to that. I love Addie. Addie's like... Addie, Addie you know, remember when all of a sudden we really, we went from... Well, you went from really disliking Summer to really liking Summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're kind thing. of getting that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're kind of getting that summer renaissance for Addie now. Which Let, is but, but let's finish this brilliant. one off first. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. The only thing that has given me a little bit of a concern here is that when Simon was talking to Toya, he seemed to be putting her off going back yes. to see Leanne. And I know that Leanne right. asked for this at the start of the day, but Nick knows now. The, yeah, and the, Toya seems to know now that she's back and everything. It's it changed. seems like Simon is trying. Yeah, it seems like Simon is putting a little bit of self-importance on himself and and not really wanting help right. from the other adults in his life, and which is what you're right, me. concerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before before we move on, something just occurred to me. It must have been really weird for Simon when Peter and Toya were a thing. That must have been really weird for him to have his aunt yeah. in a relationship with his dad. And then when he thought, when everybody thought that his aunt had given birth, that would have made his cousin his brother. And see, this is that why would have been really weird. When you wonder why Simon's as fucked off as he is, <laughs> you can rhyme off like a oh, million dear. things that have happened to him since we've been doing this podcast that, yeah, you can see that kind of turning the lad to be as grumpy and as surly as he was. I think he was particularly grumpy, surly round about that point and when it turned out that Susie wasn't any relation to him, then he became kind of more so. Susie was still his cousin. Yeah, but... But just not his, also his brother, (laughs) or sister. Right. 
let's move on to the storyline that I think we both want to talk about the most this week. Yes, this you is do. Uh, Asha latest storyline, Devastation Denied. On Woo-hoo! Monday, Asha and Adi are leaving for school when a misty-eyed dev stops them. You can't believe it's their 16th birthday tomorrow. Neither can we, Dev, because they're only And neither 15. can we. <laughs> this, has been, this has been true. I think that their 10th birthday, I think I read somewhere, was a year out. So they're, they're kind of sticking to this lie. But anyway. Uh-huh. He calls anyway. them his protégés and the fruit of his loins, which makes Asha Is throw up Dobby? in her mouth. No. Which makes Asha throw up in her mouth a little bit. He has a special surprise for them tomorrow. Addy wonders if they're adopted and wants to have a celebration tonight. But Asha has plans with ITV Corey and Dev seems to cry as they leave. Asha's in Roy's Rolls later chat with Nina about her impending 16th birthday and her impending date with ITV Corey later on. Nina reveals her dad got her that choker thing round her neck for her 16th, which she loves. And Asha doesn't think that she'd be able to carry off something like that. But Nina says that she could wear a bin bag and make it look cool. Nina is just the best friend ever. Yeah, seriously. Everybody needs a Nina. Right. Meanwhile, Dev is excitedly chatting to Trace about the surprise tomorrow without talking about what the surprise actually is, although we know at this point that there's something covering the first half of the shop's sign. Tracy reveals that for her 16th, all she wanted was Brad Pitt naked and tied to a chair in her basement. Me too, says (laughs) Dev. (laughs) I love that when Dev said me too. Well, first she says world peace. Mm Mm-hmm. And then nobody's believing and, that. And, and Dev said, really? And then she said the whole thing about, the, the really disturbing thing about Brad Pitt naked in the basement tied to a chair. You know, not even just, you know, a date with Brad Pitt no. or a phone call for Brad Pitt or to sleep with Brad Pitt. No, it's Brad Pitt naked tied to a chair in her basement. Presumably kidnapped. Yes. Maybe tortured. Tracy, she has killed. She will, she will kill again. She will kill again. <laughs> and kidnap and torture Brad Pitt. So Asha is at ITV Corey's trying to drop hints about doing something nice for her 16th. He'd like to do something nice for her 16th, vis-a-vis getting his hole. And understandably, she's less enthusiastic about this than he is. Oh, look, just yes. fucking forget it, she says. Whatevs, says ITV Corey. And then he starts playing that stupid word and decorate game thing. Nina is at Dev's and has to listen to him talking about the surprise without talking about the surprise. He leaves, which allows Asha to tell Nina about how scummy ITV Corey was. Nina gives her a present, which is one of those choker things, and Asha is totally made up. Yes, she is. On Wednesday, Dev has somehow manoeuvred the kids in the living room with their eyes shut when he reveals that um, he's decorated a bit. Asha and Addy aren't impressed, although the picture of them with Sunita goes down well, unlike Addy's umbilical cord clip which Asha is almost sick at, for the second time in two days. <laughs> this had better not be the surprise. Addy's expecting a moped as Dev leads them both outside. And as expected... Well, at least at least Addy wasn't circumcised. Well, not that we know. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. It's like a... <laughs> a shriveled up piece of calamari. As expected. I remember. I remember. No, no anecdote about foreskins, please. (laughs) If I wanted to, if I wanted to keep Nick and Betty's um, afterwards, and I'm like, no, no, I want to keep that. You can throw them away. That's fine. 
That's fine. That's fine. I don't need that. Thank you. And as expected. And apparently neither do they. As expected, the shop sign now reads D and A and A Allahans. It used to read D and S Allahans, but we've got rid of your mum. Here's your initials on it. Right. Dev comes in his pants a bit as he points this out. Neither of them care, thinking it more for Dev than them and Addy pointing out that this isn't a moped and all that Asha really cares <laughs> is meeting Whiff the Quiff later. She certainly doesn't care about having her name associated with a corner shop and Dev is crushed. And a passing right. Simon tells Addy to check whether the shop comes with the sign. Right, yes. Yes, and this gives Addy pause. I got a little confused about all this. but the... Anyway, we'll, we'll get there. Later, Yasmin is there when ITV Corey gives Asha another cake with the promise of her real present later. Spoiler alert, <laughs> his Bobby. Because Nina's already given... Have I talked about that? Nina given... You talked about the, you talked about the choker, you didn't talk about the cake and, and Roy's uh, quoting poetry at, at Asha right. for her birthday. There was which something... I thought was also a nice touch. It was very sweet. It was quite funny in these COVID times that uh, Nina gives... Asha the cake with a solitary candle and <clears throat> Asha blows it out, thus blowing <laughs> blowing onto Nina, which I saw someone comment on on Twitter. It made me laugh because that, right. that totally happened. So later, Yasmin is there when ITV Corey gives Asha another cake. It's like it. it's like when uh, it's it's like later on in a different storyline when Roy, not wearing a mask, tells somebody who comes into his shop to wear a mask that they need to wear a mask. <laughs> yes. yes. So ITV Corey spots the choker on her neck and thinks it's stupid and makes it look like a dog. She placates him and takes it off when he makes a major fuss about it and then Yasmin, then he calls Yasmin Beaky when it looks like she's listening in. Right, well, it's, 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 you're, you're, she takes it off because he starts pinching bits of the cake off of the plate and throwing at her and saying, here doggy, your doggy, mm-hmm. which is the thing that's the most upsetting bit of that. You know, it's not just, ah, oh, that thing is ugly, take it off. It's, it makes you look like a dog, and now I'm going to treat you like a dog. Right. Which was really upsetting. Well spotted. Yes. Where did I get to? That was the upsetting bit. ITV Corey goes off for his math lesson. Yasmin tries to speak with Asha, and she doesn't really appreciate this. And Yasmin says that ITV Corey doesn't seem very kind, but Asha just calls it banter. That's what they do with each other and it's fine. But Nina notices that the choker is gone and is worried that Asha isn't okay. And at this, Asha admits that she isn't. Yasmin says that she's sensitive to controlling behaviour. She used to question everything that she did and said that she never questioned anything that he did. She says she should be her own protector. She wouldn't let one of her friends be treated like that after all. And Asha thanks Yasmin for her um, for her advice. And then Nina jumps into, this isn't the first time that he's put her down, she notices. ITV Corey has been brought up not wanting to be threatened by women. She, she, she suggests that Asha carve her own path. And if he doesn't like it, tell him to suck a big bag of his own dicks. And Asha takes heart <laughs> from this. So back at Asha's... Yes, I, I, really, I really enjoyed... Uh... Nina's little speechifying there, you know, mm-hmm. how, how she's talking about how certain men uh, grow up not not wanting, you know, being taught that they they should not be questioned, that that they are the most brilliant, the best at everything, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that's what makes them 
the way that the way that they are, you know, it was a very it was a very teachable moment and Asha is very lucky that both Yasmin and Nina were there for her at that moment. Yep. I really I really liked this. The she, scene. She's very moldable, Asha, this week. Yes. Yeah. You know ITV Corey's trying to mould her into something that, that he wants and she doesn't want. And it takes two right. of them to mould her away from that. And it's something that she actually does want, which is to be right. respected and to be her own person and to be and to be loved. Because she calls she calls ITV Corey a, a loving boyfriend earlier in the week and it, and seems yeah. to believe it. But, you know, we, we know that that's not true and then, then she knows that it's not true. But she's a character that needs a lot of guidance and is influenced enough. And this was seen in the, the skin lightning thing as well. Right. You know, yeah. she's she needs to have courage of her own convictions a little bit more. You know, and, and not be that kind of doormat. Right. So back at Asha's, ITV Corey's gagging for his hole, and she puts him off saying that her uh, Deb's going to be back soon. He notices a stupid collar thing is back on again, and he wants it to get rid of. Uh, he wants it to get rid of it. He's the one who has to look at it after all. Well, nobody's making you look at it, she says. ITV Corey says that his dad was right. Bitches be crazy. She says what she wears isn't up to him, and he throws a fit, saying that this means that she doesn't care about him. Take it off. Say sorry. Say sorry. And say we, sorry. And we can move on, he yeah. says. Go fuck yourself, become, she says. She, he has just become more and more horrible. Remember when, when, you know, in the very beginning, he was kind of nice. He was a prick at the Remember? start, I think, wasn't he? He was kind of nice at the start, and then he did that prick thing of, you know, recording her and stuff. But then he doesn't share it with everybody. It's Kelly who shares it with everybody. And he's he seems quite upset about it mm -hmm. at first. And then, you know, they cut his hair off and all of a sudden he's, <laughs> he's an asshole. It's like all of his kindness was in his hair. So it seems. But it's just the, the two things, the say you're sorry thing was oh, oh, awful. That was awful. And the, the throwing of the cake thing. It's, it's, yeah, those two things combined... Nobody needs to know anything else about you. You're a dick. You yeah. need to go. Yeah, you, you need to go. So go fuck yourself, she says, and that's what he does. And she allows herself a cheeky wee smile and she puts her hands together under her nose. Mm -hmm. And I, and what I took to be a kind of moment of pride in herself and maybe a, a bit of elation and, you know, the also, kind of expulsion of nerves kind, a little bit. Right, but also kind of sad. You know, it, it seems like she's a mix of emotions at that point because mm -hmm. she is proud of herself, but she also is mourning the relationship, which is fine. Later, Dev is wanting to sit down and watch a classic of Indian cinema, saying it was his mother's favourite, even though everyone seems to think that his mother's favourite was Titanic. And then he says a lot of stuff in Hindi that I didn't understand. Addy thinks that he's high. Nope, Dev is always like that. Then Asha comes Wait. in and is quite happy to sit down and watch the Bollywood movie with her stupid dad and lose her brother. Dev is thrilled and tells Addy to move and then go make everyone popcorn. Happy birthday to me, says Addy. <laughs> it's, just, oh, it's like they've sat down and thought, shall we give Addy some really, really good lines this week? 
Yeah, let's, yes. let's do that. Yes, yes. Let's let's buck Addy up, please. And then there's also which a... he does quite well because the lines are great, mm-hmm. but his delivery is great too. You oh. know, it's it's not just there. There are there are people you could give those lines to, and they would fall flat. Yep. You know, and they do not. He's a good wee actor. Oh, he's a great wee actor. And I don't think we yeah. realised how great a wee actor he was. I think he, he was good. <laughs> they started him off really badly when he was stealing vodka from the shop and getting drunk. <laughs> that that showed him off about as well as it did when Ryan arrived drunk. But, right. But this, delivering these... And these zingers. He, and him and Asha this week with their little back and forth and their barbs and their jokes that go over their heads and things. The, right. the interaction between the two of them has just been absolutely first rate. It, absolutely. I so enjoyed it. I just love it. I love it. So love the, it. <laughs> so there's also another wee bit from a storyline we've already talked about where Simon's going to be doing deliveries and Addy seems to be getting groomed as a trainee manager, but I wasn't sure if this was his idea or this was something that was actually happening. And it turns yeah. out on Friday that it's something that's actually happening. Addy really is trainee manager and he's suited and booted ready for his first day. <laughs> Curious to know if he's going to be allowed to fire people. <laughs> uh, I was like, why do you want to fire people? And he's like, well, I don't want to fire them. I just want them to be in fear of me. <laughs> but Dev just wants him to do reviews for Bernie and Cathy. Asha's quiet and explains that she and ITV Corey have split up. Dev urges Addy to show some compassion for his sister during this upsetting time. Then when Asha takes her breakfast bowl through the kitchen, Dev and Addy <laughs> jump up and do a quiet happy dance. And I roared with laughter at that. I was not expecting it at all. I loved it. Oh my I God. I loved it. It was the best thing. Oh my God. I loved it. It was just so funny. Oh. And they're both really... I took so much joy from it. It was great. They're both doing <laughs> such a great happy dance. And then they both... And uh, the sync, uh, the synchrony of it, where they both just stop and then sit down and pretend that nothing's happened. Oh, my God. Right, yeah. What a wonderful it way was to, so good. What a wonderful way to start that episode. <laughs> and then Addy's tie is about six feet long. <laughs> just... <laughs> Kids are cracking me up here. It's like he, it's like he stole it from Donald Trump. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> where, where if you're packing it up and you're putting it in a box, no matter how big the box, there'd still be the tip of the tie would be sticking out over the, over the lid of the box. <laughs> so, he meets up with Bernie and Kathy, assuring them that it's just reviews; they have nothing to worry about, and they advise him that. He should probably be the one what's worried. <laughs> then later, Dev is wandering down the street <coughs> when... Later, Dev is wandering down the street when Bernie pushes Addy out of the kebab shop with a broom. Beat it, you prick, and don't come back, she shouts. <laughs> and he's got sauce all down his front, and he calls Bernie and Cathy fucking idiots. And Dev is frantic. He knew this would end badly, but everyone else is confused. Bernie thinks Addy's doing great. They've been role-playing... Not the sort you're into, you mucky devil, says Bernie. It's strategies on dealing with difficult customers. And they sing Addy's praises. And he worries that he was swearing too much, but Cathy thought it was spot on. The boy did good. What an, what an amazing scene. Oh my God, I love this scene too. 
something devastating. He's that, fucked you up. Know, he's, 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 he's fucked it up and he's been talking down to these older ladies who know an awful lot more about kebab than he does. Right. But then it, you know, just like, you know, it, it, and it turns and it's like, no, 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 we're role playing. It's, it's all good. And he's done a great job and he's, he really listens and stuff. And it's, and that's, that's, that's the brilliance of the scene is that mm-hmm. it's, unex, you know, you're, you're given something that you were kind of expecting because you saw Kathy and, and Bernie kind of roll their eyes mm-hmm. at um, Addy when he first came in. And then, and then it turns out that, that it's all good. And it's just, it's hilarious and it's delightful. And you can tell they're all having the time of their lives. Oh, right, right. Everyone you know, is so hot they in are that. loving. Dev's they're reaction. loving acting this scene. It's just great. Dev's reaction just yeah. makes it even funnier. But when they come out and they're all confused and like, what the hell are you complaining about? Everything's everything's perfect. <laughs> everything's fine. And Addy gives yeah, them credit. No, this, this was their idea, but they give it back to him. Yeah, but you ran with it and you were really good yeah. at it. I was right. It warmed my heart. This is exactly what we. And you really. Doing. And, you know, and they say, he, you know, he really listens to, you know, to, to us about about our needs and, and, and stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Addie is so good this week. Back home, Addie reflects to Asher. Just love on how, that kid. I want to adopt him. On how the reviews went, saying that he listened to Bernie and Kathy as they had more experience, plus they terrified him. Then he tells her that she's better off without ITV Corey. She's worth so much more than that. And she's touched. And then he goes off to assess some risks at the kebab shop. Yeah. Right. Uh, six episodes of that? Yes, please. They should have their own spin-off show. I'm, I'm saying it right now. <laughs> I don't... Dev's kebabs. I, I hope that they realise how well... They did that. I hope everyone that was involved in that realizes how well it was done. The writing, Absolutely. the directing, and the acting, and how this is what this is what people want to have at some point during the hour that they're watching Coronation Street on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday. They want to have something that just that gives makes them, them smile, gives gives them joy. Is uh. It's heartwarming. Yeah, and it's honest you know, as well. You know, it was funny, but it was also heartwarming and honest. Yeah, it was. It wasn't completely over the top, and it was. It was nice because you know, Addie has Addie has told Asha this before. The whole, you're you're better than him. You're worth more than him. Yeah, she did. And before it. she wasn't ready, mm-hmm. she she wasn't ready to hear it. You know, because she was still kind of under ITV Corey's thumb, right? So to speak. You know, so for for it for it to end with him saying this to her again, and and for her to accept it and and be and be chuffed by it at this point, was just really delightful. I a plus plus to everyone involved. I still want Dev to still have that beard, but never mind. It's we can't fine. we can't have it all. If he did have his beard <laughs> in that scene, that may have been just too much. We may have just I don't know <laughs> mentally orgasmed ourselves into oblivion. Let's move on now to uh, Johnny on the inside. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. On Monday, Johnny is being... brings me right back down again. Johnny is being blind in the prison rec room. He can tell 
We can tell because he's wandering around with his eyes closed bumping into things. And a chirpy Gary offers to give him the grand tour and show him the way to the shower unit. Aye aye. And later, Jenny is visiting and Johnny apologises for the other day. He's getting used to being on the inside, even though it's just been 24 hours. He has an appointment with a prison doctor or something about his eyesight. Maybe tape your eyes open, says Jenny. No, she doesn't. And he says <laughs> that he's going to be fine. But he's not fine because in the rec room, he's bouncing off the walls and falls onto the onto a table, much to the amusement of his fellow inmates who seem to be playing pool all day. And Gary comes to his aid, but Johnny claims to have just slipped. Later, Johnny is disappointed that there aren't more people his own age in sight. And Gary tells him about Terry Humphreys, who's 80, and won't be going home anytime soon, if you know what I mean. And this is what Johnny is reduced to, befriending lifers to save his own skin. So he's been to see the doctor and is back to bumping into things in the rec room. The doc confirmed an MS relapse and prescribed an MRI, which Gary thinks is a breeze. And now we're in a tube listening to Classic FM on day release. What's not to love? And then because of another storyline, Maria is on the phone to Gary and he tells her about Johnny being in and having a fall and stuff and the two of them appear to gossip about it so when Maria later goes round to the pub, she lets this slip to Jenny who was under the impression that Johnny was doing better. On Wednesday, Jenny's visiting blind Johnny. He says he'd forgotten her scent. Not creepy at all. No, which could mean that she stinks and he'd forgotten all about it. She's not into this (laughs) Romeo act and wants to know when he was planning on telling her about the fall. They have a loud argument about being honest with each other, but he points out that this isn't a hotel and he doesn't have permanent access to a phone. It just seems that way. He seems to be wary of Daisy when Jenny mentions her, and they calm down, Jenny concerned that this is what the next eight months is going to look like. And back at the Rovers, Daisy says that she's just broken up with her boyfriend who has apparently moved back in with his ex. So I guess technically that he broke up with her. But she was only interested in him when she thought that he was rich and she doesn't have anything to show for their year-long relationship. Nothing that she can sell on eBay. A lovely person Daisy seems to be. Jenny explains Mm. that due to events in another storyline, Peter's moving out, so Daisy wastes no time in putting a stake down in his room and that she agrees to Fabrice that within an inch of his life to get rid of the smell of Lafroig from Peter's sheets. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah, Johnny inside. Ugh, it's it's sad and depressing. It it <laughs> right. it confused and it confused me a little bit that Gary is still in street clothes and everybody else is wearing all, you know, blue and stuff. But and then I realized that. that it's because because Gary has not been convicted yet. Correct, he's on remand. He's been arrested. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been to court and convicted and had the books thrown at him and everything. He so is, that's why he's still in regular clothes. He is officially innocent. Gives, yes. But this gives, uh, you know, Gary, our supposed main villain of the street, it gives a, it gives him yet another way, another opportunity to be kind of the, the golden boy and be looking out for somebody and being <laughs> kind to somebody and helping somebody, which makes him... Not the villain of the street. You know, the whole reason he's in there is not the villain of the street. I don't know so, if I'm even still doing this anymore. It's 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 kind of like He makes he's, bad he's, decisions. That's it. <laughs> That's he makes <laughs> bad decisions and he killed once. You know, but he may not kill again. He's not like Tracy. Who will she will definitely Who will kill definitely again. kill again. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> I think it's it's good. It's 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 kind of nice. It's kind, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Abby and Sally friendship when Abby and Sally were in prison together. Remember when Abby and Sally were in prison together? Yeah. 
that's how their whole friendship started. That's right. You know, and and that gave uh, that gave her more time to act with Tim, which meant <laughs> that they started a relationship in real life and are now engaged. So, so it's good. It's good. So Maybe. Are you suggesting that Gary and Johnny are going to get married? No. I do. No, but maybe, but maybe Sick Gary. Well, maybe uh, Mikey North will break up with his, because he's he's not married right now. He'll break up with his girlfriend and Let's... start a relationship with the actress who plays Jenny. Maybe that will happen. Or no, or the no, actor. I, th- I think I think you've gone talking. down this rabbit hole <laughs> far enough now. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull us back. I'm going to pull us back All right. and suggest that we All talk right. about the penultimate storyline today, Coronation right. Towers, which was just on Friday, when hypocritical Seb has decided to forgive Abby because he has nowhere else to stay, so he's moving in with her and Kev and uh, Jack. Ray Weinstein yes. wanders by with an actor in a non-speaking role. She's the lovely Sandra, his new waitress or whatever. And he and Abby exchange barbs, which results in Abby warning Sandra that Ray is a perv and he's probably a pedo too. Yeah. Emma is moving into the Rovers B&B Daisy clearly isn't happy about this and is further agitated when it seems that Alina might be moving in with Emma in the B&B Daisy yeah. loses her shit at the idea of all their menstrual cycles synchronising and Jenny agrees and tells Alina that she can't move in after all Which is ridiculous because that's money Jenny could, you know charge her money for mm-hmm. staying there and and it wouldn't be like Emma, which Poor Emma. She works at the Rovers. She gets paid by the Rovers. And then she gives Jenny her money back to stay there. Oh, I've just had a little... uh, (laughs) I wonder what my next word's going to be. I've just had a little remembrance of something that I'm not sure is a thing or not about the UK, which I think is a thing. Uh That in a hotel, you get charged per person per night. Mm-hmm. Not just for the room. Right. So if I'm staying in the room, it's going to be cheaper than two people staying in the room. Because I was going right. to say, well, it doesn't really matter if Emma's staying there or not, because uh, Jenny's just getting the money for the one room. Right. But in the UK, she would be charged for the two people staying there. Yeah. Whereas here, it is just you get charged for the room because it doesn't. You could have like six people staying there, and they don't really care. It's just one room. That's no, that's a thing. Yeah. Anyway. So Abby goes to see Roy and eats a slice of his freshly baked humble pie for the whole tiny bullhorn thing from a couple of weeks ago. Then she spots a letter that he's trying to hide with paper bags. And after a bit of back and forth, it transpires that Imran may have discovered a way to stick the development up Ray's arse. Right. right. Up his arse. Up his arse. Ray he is did out. that on purpose. Ray is out with Debbie boasting about his verbal sparring with Abby when he gets a call from the planning committee chair. What's her name again? It begins with uh, an S. It's, it's Phoebe Buffet. <laughs> Correct. Telling him, telling him that the approval is now subject to a judicial review, review thanks to one mm-hmm. Royston Q. Cropper. Debbie thinks this would cost a fortune and as long as everything is above board, it's likely to fail. She then wants to know why Susan, Phoebe Buffet, the chair, is calling him and he has to admit that he oiled the wheels of the committee a little bit, or well, he just bribed Susan. Debbie. Well, is- no, he he makes it sound like he didn't he didn't necessarily bribe her with money though. Let's let's, <laughs> let's just say he 
he he the oil was not money the oil was with body oil being rubbed all over susan's back and 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 nether regions and then you know ray the old charmer gave her the gave her the what for and and she was so smitten that she decided to give him what he wanted both in the bedroom and in in the boardroom oh for a for a moment there i thought our <laughs> podcast had turned into a uh, erotic audiobook. <laughs> you could have just said it was his jism. Then Debbie points out how much time he'd get for that, but she's but he's sure he's covered his tracks. And this argument is conducted in front of a random bartender. Meanwhile, right, yeah. Alina interrupts a discussion at the garage between Fizz and Tyrone about Ruby's rash cream. She just wants to check that Ty's offer still stands for her moving in, and he seems to have forgotten all about it, and confirms out of politeness right. that, yeah, that, that's still fine. Alina goes off happy, and Fizz kills Tyrone with a carjack. Despite their lack of room, <laughs> Ty just felt sorry for her. Fuck that, says Fizz, who promises to set Alina straight. So Fizz catches up with Alina, but before she can say anything, Alina gives her the sob story about being far away from home, missing her brother's fourth birthday, having nowhere else to stay, and have made pamper packs for Holly and Ruby and you and Evelyn, and you're a lifesaver, Fees. Now what did you want to say? Pig's tits, <laughs> says Fizz. And she does a two-second smile fade. Back at Roy's Rolls, Roy is explaining to Abby that they need to keep quiet about this due to all the other leaks that they've experienced. In comes Ray, threatening Roy with the cost of this Judicial, judicial review it could cost him a hundred mm-hmm. grand Abby wonders why Ray is so bothered if he's going to win it and he calls it a delaying irritant but Roy stands firm this community means the world to him and some things are more important than money and with that Ray yes. slinks off yes Ray seems to forget that Roy is the most moral man in Manchester right. here so Evelyn comes in and they talk about the hundred grand that Roy might have to cough up Abby doesn't think that uh, he should do this and Evelyn is with Abby. Why take this risk? Roy is unmoved. This is something he's willing to do and that's the end of the matter. Then Tyro right. gets home to the aftermath of a pamper party and Alina cooking lasagna and Fizz explains privately that she couldn't chuck Alina out and it's not going to be forever anyway. Spoiler alert. Right. It's going to be forever then, isn't it? <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week. And, and, it, and it can't be it can't be that bad because they did get rid of Jade, so she's probably staying wherever Jade was staying. Remember Jade? I remember her fondly. I quite liked her in it. Jade! <laughs> Jade was good. She was so Jade! evil. <laughs> she was a much better villain than Gary, I'll give you that. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, so. Hope. Hope is a better villain than Gary. So this whole thing, uh, notwithstanding the uh, the admittance of bribery and the um, the hundred grand judicial review thing. This was basically get some characters, get them to roll the dice. This is where you're going to live now because we're going to knock down this this building. So it's just a kind of it's moving day. Everyone has to shift to another location that makes right. probably no sense. And then right. just so we can start going with it from from Monday, and then eventually when all this falls to pieces, everyone can go back to where they came from. Right. That's that. If they if they want to, you know, who knows? Yeah. Seb may want to stay with, with, with Abby. This may be the start of a really nice reconciliation storyline between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You Seb, know, Seb, can they I, I, I kind of like 
Yes, I kind of like um, Seb and Abby hanging out and trading banter with one another and, and actually being a proper mother and, and, and son together. It's much know. better than um, Seb pulling that face and being disappointed with his mum. <laughs> Let's face it. Well, you know, now, we, uh, now at least we know. Now at least we know that he makes that face honestly. It's because he's got snakes in his toilet. <laughs> Our final storyline this week is Faye's mysterious sickness. On oh. Monday, Faye comes down the, the stairs of Discovery to discover Tim and Sally arguing about the chair from streetcars that now lives in Sally's front room. <laughs> Who knows how many sweaty pairs of buttocks have sat there, she says. She's looking a bit peaky and not in the mood for a walk. And Tim goes up the stairs of Discovery to see if he can discover that rucksack that seems to have been misplaced. Later, yes. Sally is packing up boxes while Faye curls up in a chair and plays with her phone. Sally asks how she's feeling about the move and if she'll miss her pals and Craig. And Faye is just looking forward to a fresh start. And Sally looks a bit concerned at this. Why does everybody keep trying to force Craig on her? <laughs> Seriously, they broke up. Get Let over it, go. Sally. Faye has. Get she over hasn't it. Really, but whatever. Nick, next... Tim comes down the stairs of Discovery and discovers that he lent the rucksack to Gary, so he's going to speak with Marie about it later. Sally tells him about her concerns about Faye because she seems happy at the idea of moving. Because <laughs> that's, that's literally all she has to go on. So Tim sees Marie on the street and asks about the rucksack, but she's long got shot off in anything of Gary's. Tim doesn't seem too bothered in the chat about Faye, who they agree has a lot on her plate, what with Gary and that business with Craig. Tim and Sally are getting boxes when Maria goes to visit Faye. Faye's nerves are shot and she's throwing up in the morning because of the guilt. Maria reminds her that they have nothing on Gary and he'll get out, but Faye doesn't see that as a satisfactory end to the matter. That means that the police are just going to keep on looking for who did it. And worried about this, Maria phones Gary to run this by him. What if Faye confesses but Adam forgives her? <sighs> He's back at work, there's no harm done. And Gary says, well, it doesn't really work like that, that she won't get off just because she meant to kill someone else. Good point, says Maria. Then on Wednesday, DC whatever turns up at Tim's door, catching him topless with a wet wang towel covering his nips. Yes, DC... and, and we get to see his lovely shoulder tattoo. A tribal tattoo that he's that's got. A, that's a really nice tattoo he's got. I couldn't work out if that was entirely new because it seems to go down quite far his arm now. And I think yeah, Peter's he's... got some new tattoos, hasn't he? I, I, I wasn't paying attention to... to... <laughs> to Peter's physique. Tim has a very nice physique though. Tim Tim is a Tim is surprisingly a character I would not mind seeing topless more often, quite frankly. I'm just disappointed that Timbot doesn't have anything to say about that. <laughs> Maybe he will next week. Inside DC whatever says that they found a receipt in the rucksack belonging to Tim and he asks if he's familiar with the Bistro Award thing. Tim's oblivious to this and it seems that DC whatever is more interested in talking with Faye but she's not in so Tim says that he'll let her know. Tim has called Sally home to tell her about all this business with the police and Sally uh, very much plays the role of the audience during this conversation. He explains that the police are interested in the rucksack, that it held the assault weapon, that it had his receipt in it and that he loaned it to Gary for Faye's stuff. He didn't tell the police about the Gary thing because he didn't want to implicate Faye. And Sally's not sure that it would have. Tim says that he panicked and not helped by Faye being in a funny mood lately. Tim and Sally agree to talk to her before the police get to her. 
So Faye comes down the stairs of Discovery to discover Sally gone and Tim there. He tells her about the police and their interest in the rucksack and how the Bistro Award was in it. He's worried about her. He knows that she's not okay and thinks that she knows more about what happened to Adam. She blames it on being tired. She says that she'll have a disco kip, whoever that is, and disappears back up the stairs of Discovery. Six more weeks of winter. And la- <laughs> later, Faye comes down the stairs of Discovery and again discovers Tim, who again knows that something's up and asks if Gary's making her cover for him. She loses it, saying that she doesn't know nothing about nothing and about nothing about no stupid rucksack, and then she runs back up the stairs of Discovery again. Jings, her calves are going to be like fucking steel by the end of the storyline. Absolutely. On Friday, Faye comes down the stairs of Discovery to discover that her vomiting was overheard by Sally, who worries that her shepherd's pie has given her food poisoning. Tim, meanwhile, is still keen to know what the fuck happened to that rucksack and how it ended up with a weapon in it. Faye maintains her ignorance on the matter when questioned and then disappears back up the stairs of Discovery. Sally thinks something's not right. Faye knows more than she's letting on and she suggests that Tim goes to speak to Gary in prison about it. Later, Faye comes out of Dev's and bumps into Craig, who's got a bit of a camel toe going on in his trackies, which was rather unfortunate. And he tells her that she looks rough as a badger's arse, and she doesn't take kindly to this. He questions her about what DS whatever wanted, but she doesn't think that should be something that he should be questioning her about. Obviously, Faye has more sense of protocol than Craig does. She tells him to go fuck himself. Then she sees Ray show his new waitress, Sandra, where the outside menu goes. (laughs) So Faye, this is where the outside menu lives. All right, I'll I'll just take a note of that. (laughs) <laughs> then Faye runs to Maria's frantic with worry that uh, Ray will do to the new waitress what he did to her and by the way she thinks that she's knocked up oh pig's tits says Maria what with this and Tim going on about Gary Faye doesn't know what to do Maria suggests speaking to Craig but Faye reveals that she didn't get her hold of a Craig and Maria quickly does the maths double pig's tits says Maria she suggests that Faye stays over with her for a couple of days while they figure out what to do and in the meantime goes off to get a test, presumably a pregnancy test. I don't think Maria is off to get certification to drive a heavy goods vehicle. No. Kind of disappointed that Craig didn't get his hole. It seemed that he did because she left her See? phone under his pillow or something. They slept yeah. together. They literally slept together. See? But they didn't sleep See? together. See? Dude is gay AF. It does seem that he's fear of the beard, definitely. So Can we please have Craig's coming out story? Give it to me. I need it. It is my precious. Give it to me, said anyone that isn't Craig. <laughs> Sally gets home to find Faye looking for a hold all, explaining that she's going to stay at Faye's for a bit. No, explaining that she's going to stay at Maria's for a bit. Sally's concerned because Faye still has to pack ahead of their move tomorrow, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, we're, we're moving tomorrow and you've done nothing. She's right. been sitting about playing on her phone all week. She can also sense that something's wrong, but Faye insists that she's fine and she runs up the stairs of Discovery. And Sally right. gets on and, the phone. And her whole excuse is that Maria is Maria is lonely for because Gary's in prison. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's going to stay with her because she, you know, because Maria is sad and lonely. Right. And that makes perfect sense. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Well, at least Timbot has something to say about that. Yeah. Presumably she calls Tim. He appears at Maria's wanting to know what the fuck's going on and then he spots the pregnancy test kit on the counter. Maria tries to pass off at hers, but Tim knows it can't be because Gary's in jail. 
And he right, yeah, I know how these things work, says Tim. Uh-huh. Quite what? proud of himself that he knows how babies are made. <laughs> he knows it's Faye's and Craig's knocked her up and he's going to go kill Craig. Maria reluctantly agrees that something's up, but Faye needs to be the one to tell him the full story. So Tim is waiting when Faye comes in with her hold all. He's sent by the pregnancy kit, so she can't deny it. But there's more, she tells him. It's worse than just being pregnant. But wait, there's more! <laughs> it was Ray. And he asked if she was raped, but she says not. She felt like she should because he was her boss and she cheated on Craig. Which is Ray. I know, and I'm so annoyed that she doesn't realise what it is and nobody seems to be telling her. And nobody says, yeah, it, you can tell that Tim knows that, no, that actually is rape. You know, you can you can see in Tim's eyes that he knows. But he doesn't say it. And you know, Maria knows, but she doesn't say it. And then Faye says... It's so frustrating. ...that Ray didn't try to rape her that time but did try to rape her later which is when Gary came along Tim thinks right. that she should go to the police but there's something else says Faye and she admits to attacking Adam and Tim's like why the fuck would you attack Adam <laughs> <laughs> but she thought it was Ray and with all the information at hand Tim decides that the person that's going to kill after all is Ray Maria urges calm and she and Faye go off to pee on a stick Tim doesn't listen to Maria and goes round to the bistro but Debbie tells him that Ray is out Tell him I'm going to kill him, says Tim. Faye and Maria are close behind and we learn that Faye isn't pregnant and nor is she happy with Tim's explosive temper. Back at Maria's, Tim is worried that he keeps letting Faye down. He should never have let her work at the bistro, but he promises to do everything he can to fix us and keep her safe because she's his daughter. Right. So Tim goes to see Gary in prison. He knows everything and wants to know what's best. And Gary thinks that they keep to the plan and find a way to keep Faye calm. Ray is going to get what's coming to him. Don't worry about that. (laughs) <laughs> and then we see Ray on the phone to Susan, bad-mouthing Roy, calling him an imbecile, walking down the street when a white van speeds around the corner, comes to a screeching halt, and two masked men get out and move menacingly towards Ray. Like, what? This is so ridiculous! It's like, what, did Gary pay some thugs to go and kidnap Ray? What is going on here? Or is that 80-year-old Terry Griffiths, or whatever his name was, is he responsible for it? Because that's the only reason I can think that Terry's name was brought up. Oh, God, it was so, it was so And then we don't Ridiculous. Figure, then we don't find out what happened. We don't find out what happens. Because you don't come out of a white van with a black balaclava on just to say, do you have directions? Oh, no. Do you have directions to the, to the nearest Esso you? station? You're going, to, you're going to kidnap him, presumably, is what's happened, or you're going to beat him up. Or murder him, or beat him up, or something. So at Maria's, it seems that Faye is going to stay there, even though there's no real need for her to do that anymore, because everyone knows everything. Tim comes in, and he's had a brainwave. We're going to move away. We're already moving away, says Faye. Yeah, but we're going to move to Spain, says Tim. And that inexplicably is how we end this week's episodes i know i was like wait wait am i missing (laughs) am i missing an episode what's good sally's not going to be happy with that sally had her heart set on this place oh well that was going to be like two years in the future because of the development right yeah that's that's true yeah as i was saying it that's when i remembered that that place isn't isn't ready well why are they packing up then and saying that they're moving tomorrow if they don't have a place to move. They do, they have yet. a rental. Oh. Because they have to move out because the house is getting knocked down. So right. they have to go somewhere. So they've got some place that they can live temporarily. But Tim but seems to have his heart set on the cost of the hill 
Right. But even though it's even though it's Brexit, that makes it much much harder for him to move to Spain. Is Tim? See, the when you hear about people moving to Spain, the first thing in Soapland that you think about is extradition treaties. Right. Spain is a place where train robbers fled to <coughs> and lived out long uh, portions of their life unfettered right. by the threat of uh, British police catching up with them. Right. Was Tim one of the people in the Valaclava? Is that why he suddenly want to move to Spain to get out of the country? Because he was he's done something to Ray? No, because that Gary did that. Remember, we see that right after Gary says, don't worry about Ray, I've got that handled. Well, Gary, that might I... be a bit of a red herring because Gary says that um, don't worry about Ray uh, one way or the other. If he gets out or not, he'll he'll figure something out in that regard. But but maybe Tim decided that, well, if, I can't wait if you're going to get knocked up uh, for a long time. I can't wait for no, that. I, I, think I need to do something about this now. I think I think he's uh, I think he's protecting Faye because he I think he thinks that you know the truth will out eventually and so this is the best way to protect Faye from being caught. One way or another, Adam. it was funny as fuck when that happened, <laughs> <laughs> and it just so happened that it, that it happened when uh, Ray is bad mouthing Roy. So it's right, like, and it was so red, and it was so like the, the show you know he's just walking down the street, and all of a sudden here's this white van with these guys wearing wearing masks and coming to assault him, and it was just in daylight while he's walking down the street in plain daylight. Let's put a little qualifier ahead of daylight. Let's call that broad daylight. <laughs> it was a broad daylight, but it's like the show just refuses in to allow. Public. Roy to be called an imbecile by anyone without uh, without <laughs> some comeuppance happening. <laughs> Maybe it was Roy. I don't know. It was such a random thing to happen and then we don't find out what happened right. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess it's good that Tim now knows what's <laughs> Yeah. What's I'm happy that... I'm happy that yeah. I'm happy that, that, that Tim knows what's actually going on now and stuff and stuff and, and Faye just so, had to run we'll up and down the stairs 50 times in a week for that to happen in her bathrobe <laughs> up and down and up and down and up and down up I, and down I, and up and down I had to copy and paste because I was getting tired of writing Faye comes down the stairs of discovery I had to copy right. that and just keep on pasting it in because it was just happening so often right yeah so I guess that's <laughs> I guess that's the week that was Coronation Street. It really was. Moment of the week? Oh, it's got to be uh, Addy and Dave dancing from the Learn That Ashes Dumped ITV Corey. Absolutely. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> that is my. That, that I am in full agreement. 100%. That is. Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week? I wasn't sure about boring moment of the week. Yeah. Um. Because Daniel was actually rather good this week. Yeah, it wasn't boring. Uh, no, no, I it was. Uh, the only thing that really, the only thing that really kind of bothered me, and I was like, "This is just, I don't like this, and I and I and I don't appreciate this, and it's, it it annoys me." Is uh, is some of the Daisy bits? Yeah, I I 
jump on that bandwagon. I know, I know they're kind of setting Daisy up to be kind of conniving and stuff, but her whole, her whole rant about her, her whole ridiculous rant about four women can't live together because they're, because there'll be mass hysteria and stuff right. was just, it was such a throwback to stupid misogyny and everything as a weird, uh, you know, excuse. And nobody calls her on it. And then Jenny agrees with her. Right. It sounded so, like something that Johnny would say. Right. Or not even Johnny. I don't even think Johnny would say that. Well, it's, he wouldn't say it to Jenny, certainly, but he would say it to somebody. No. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, we've had Jenny and Carla and, and Kate... And Rana all living under that under that roof at one point, didn't we? We've had four women living. And you'd think Emma and Alina would say, wait a second. We were just living with Maria and right. Craig, and it was fine. <laughs> or no, no, Craig wasn't living there. Craig is living with... Um, it's a sort of assertion that doesn't even need a retort because it's just so ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah. But but got, and and whatever Daisy has planned, because it's having not Alina, right? Having Alina living there shouldn't shouldn't mess with her plans too much, should it? She wants. It was just. It's like she wants Jenny to herself. Right. That's creepy. It is creepy. So yeah, it's not. It's we're, we will call that boring moment of the week, but it's really more the annoying moment of the week. So yeah, okay. So that's our. That's our Boring moment of the week. Boring slash annoying moment of the week. <laughs> Maybe we should change boring moment of the week to annoying moment of the week. Oh, that would mean so recording another my... thing. Yeah. yeah, we can maybe do and... that later. <laughs> Maybe when I get back, when you're not, you know, being both teacher and father and cook and cleaner and worker and stuff. Right. All in, all in once, and and laundromat. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking for things to do And dog walker. Yes. <laughs> Shall we wrap this one up? Yes, please. If you've ever moved to Wigan, but not really moved to Wigan, or otherwise pretended to move to Wigan and not told your long-suffering son, compound this issue by telling us about it first. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also our address on Skype for voicemail, and on PayPal if you want to chuck a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar. We are at Quarry Podcast Please. on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links of which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page of the thetalkofthestreet.podbean.com. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Bye! Cheerio!